Greetings, Wargamers. We're your hosts, Trevor, Jay, Josh, and this is Shane Attack. Attack. is sponsored by Discount Games Incorporated. Discount Games Incorporated specializes in customer service, low prices, and prompt shipping. You can find our web store at www.discountgamesinc.com. Attack. I'm your host, Trevor, and I'm cautiously optimistic about War Machine Mark IV. I'm Jay, and I'm, I'm, I'm here to hype up my co-hosts and the rest of the internet. I'll board the hype train. Uh, and I'm Josh, and the only hype train I'm aboard is the Andor hype train. Ooh, yes, yes. <laughs> I still haven't seen the trailer. Oh, you haven't? I've I feel like their trailer is like thing. really, really good. Like much better than the what would it have been the initial teaser. Yeah, uh, the, the teaser for Andor, if I remember right, was very plain. There was almost nothing in it. It's about a little bit over a month out, and when it launches, they're doing a, a three episode launch, which is nice. Yeah, I'll have to watch the uh, the real trailer here later today. I've just been super busy, so. Fair enough. Um, so news with Discount Games Inc. Um, you can get the old War Machine models at great prices right now. They're and we have the the two new army uh, starter boxes are available for pre-order. The uh, Signar Storm Legion army set and the Orgoth Sea Raiding Force uh, army set are both available for pre-sale, and they will release the end of October. So, uh, last week we we went over various things about Mark IV, and we, this week we were going to uh, talk about our reaction to the rules changes, what we know about them, with, uh, with Mark IV. And... Um, I guess before we hop into that, we can do a little topical news uh, of the day. So, Privateer Press said that you know they were they're going to Gen Con, they were taking some starter boxes with them, and they were also going to uh, sell those starter battle groups uh, online. Um, with uh, that anyone online could could buy them, and and they said that if uh, you know if they do well, it might take them a while to uh, fulfill the orders. Um, but then they so they started the cells, I believe, yesterday on Thursday, and by Friday morning they turned off cells for the battle groups and said that we've had enough cells at this point that if we keep selling the battle groups, we're not gonna hit our goal of having product available for the launch of the game in October. So um, early pre-sales have been going well for, for the battle groups or went well. And it seems like there's been, 
um, a fair bit of interest from people who are excited about the new edition. Um, so I guess any anything you guys want to talk about or cover before we go into talking about the changes uh, with the new edition? I just will say that having looked at the stuff more now like i i would be i would be going in on the orgoth sea raiders for my initial <laughs> army for sure if i lived a life that you know permitted <laughs> war machine yeah my my problem still remains that i have no interest in the currently announced factions none of them none of them i'm a little surprised that you don't have any interest in the kator faction yeah not really I th- I Wait, think which that... one's the Kator faction? The one that's Kator? <laughs> <laughs> I can't Touché. remember the exact, the exact name of it. <laughs> Give me one second. I will. It's like, so we, it's we Kator faction, the name of the army. Give me one second. Uh, do, 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 do. Uh, I have it here. Uh, okay, so... Uh, nope, it doesn't have that. But it is... The Kator one is releasing in November. Um, I think it has it here. Winter Core, I believe. Okay. Um, That's all yeah, I needed. I just no real no interest in Kator right now. Um, maybe if I see it on the table, get a chance to look at it, I, it might change my opinion. I think if Crix had, or some form of Crix, um, had been some form of undead, maybe something evil. Um, had been presented as one of my initial options. I don't feel like Orgoth is really... They don't feel evil to me. They just feel like a an invader, which... <laughs> I mean, I hate to break this to you, uh, Trevor, but uh, the, the, the army that's been like the big bad of the Iron Kingdoms is, in fact, evil. And for whatever reason, Prefter Press decided to give them black skin. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, now I really, now I really don't want to get involved in, in, in anything, anything you just said. I'm just going to step back and not, you know. Danger, Will Robbins. Keep my hands clean. Um, yeah, I, I guess. See, to me, the one, the one. I, I don't read the fluff, so for me, they just look like an outside invader. Sure. Which, you know, I, I understand how you know history is written by the people that are left. So we're reading you know, Iron Kingdom's history, so they consider them evil. But to me, that whatever, I just, I guess I don't see I mean, the, to me, the the big missed opportunity with the Orgoth is that, uh, you know, so the Infernals, that faction is one, essentially, you know, faction with, of the Infernal uh, race or category Mm -hmm. of outsiders. And, And the Orgoth have, basically sworn their oaths to like a, a completely different faction of infernals. Uh-huh. And I mean, I guess it's possible after the cataclysm, like I think the, the infernals, the other infernals are gone. Maybe the other ones are gone as well. And I could see why you wouldn't want to have uh, rules for a new set of infernals at the launch of a faction, but it makes me a little bit sad that it's not really, another infernals army or a different take on infernals yeah that would have probably got me in if if it had been a different take on infernals you know different similar stylings but maybe a little different that would have brought me in for sure so yeah i I don't know we'll we'll see right right now nothing that i've seen thus far has really got me 
pumped to to jump in so you know the 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 traditionally the the factions i've i've you know dug into deeply they either they had undead elements or evil elements they had big elephants with big weapons you know or you know they had a very heavy world war one influence an alchemic influence those are sort of the things that interest me and there's just it doesn't feel like there's any of that right now um i mean i'm I'm going to pick up the orgoth because honestly signar and kador aren't really interesting to that interesting to me right now um and i i also want one that is a one that's available at launch which um orgoth fulfills um, and and their aesthetic doesn't necessarily speak that much to me, but it's it's something new, so that'll be cool. Um, and then, but really, they're they're kind of just a placeholder until the new Dusk faction comes out. Yeah, the Dusk is the the retribution gone. The gone vampire bad. elves. Yes, thank you. Yes. And are, are they really? I haven't. I'm sorry. I just haven't kept up. I've had sure, things no. going on. But are they? Are they? When you say vampire elves, I mean. I mean, they, they are. They are really vampire. undead. They are really undead. The They're soul sucking though, in, not blood sucking. See, the problem the, with that is like I'm seeing vampires and I'm like, yes, maybe I'm interested. And then you say elves and I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> so Some of them are scorny. To give you a, uh, they they did a an article, a fluff article about it. And basically, um, Gorshade, um, betrays his scorn allies and, and kicks their ass. And then he's like, what if the solution to all of our problems is if I kill our gods? And <laughs> so then he does that. <laughs> and sorry just the the cavalier tone with which you introduced that uh, <laughs> deeply amused me <laughs> and then it says uh the death of two gods unleashed a psychic storm across the whole of ios <laughs> creating a spiritual upheaval that warped the very fabric of cain uh and so uh then basically out of that were were born the uh vampire elves um and it and it does say that despite their and it has quote unquote vampiric existence for the most part the eldritch are not fundamentally evil <laughs> <laughs> they are a tragic lot so stupid i, I love privateer press's uh, adherence to basically saying no one nobody's here is, really evil no one here is really evil except for everyone <laughs> well the vampire elves are not evil no, just they are just Kator and and the black skin Orgoth. I'm sorry, I really shouldn't be making fun of this, and I'm not like stop poking the bear so much. Yeah, like I I I'm laughing because it's just so kind of horrifying to me, but. Yeah, I mean, you know, it it is horrifying, and I guess we're making a little light of it. But I mean, how do you? We we love the company. Yes. We would like them to change it. How do you go about that without? Yeah, I mean, cause, there's no scenario a, where causing a negative stir that hurts the company. There's no scenario where my Orgoth are going to be uh, canonically painted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Smart. All right. Uh, so we've we've covered a fair number of things. Are, are we ready to 
dive into our review of rules changes? As they say in the Navy, dive, dive, dive. I, do they say that? <laughs> <laughs> if they're on not a submarine, on, not, they do. Yeah, I was going to say, not on an aircraft carrier. They do. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I, my, I don't know if you guys knew this, but my, my brother Kelly, he was on a, a submarine yeah. for six years. Yeah, yeah. I knew that. Uh, I'd it'd be curious to hear what he says about his that. take on my impression of uh, yes. naval whatever tomfoolery. Yes. All right. So they have a list of uh, changes from Mark three to Mark four. Uh, do you have that pulled up, Trevor? Uh, I can. <laughs> I'll 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 let you. Uh, Th- this is a very so. This is the. the... Um, the the changes from Mark three to Mark four section is is very high overview. It is not very yeah. detailed. Yeah, yeah. And it it is. I should also note that it is the only thing I have read thus far. Okay. So I right. you've you've read more in depth than that, correct? Uh, yeah, some, yeah. Okay. Um, and I'll my my voice is is being weird, and so I'll let you read through some of these, and then we can talk on each one as we uh as you go through it. Okay. Um, so the, the, what they have listed as their high overview of changes from Mark three to Mark four, the first one is removal of facing. So no longer do you have a front arc of 180 degrees. You uh, now have all models see 360 degrees. Um, I'm interested to know whether or not this is going to extend to 120 uh, millimeter bases, but I assume anyway. it's going to be all models. Yeah. yeah I, uh, well, I'm, I'm more I'm more wondering about the previous firing arcs. You know, are they going to make them sure? Yeah, half the model or something. I I don't know. Um, some of those models become a little more difficult to balance when they've got all of the weapons can bring be brought to bear to one particular <clears throat> direction. But I'm sure you know you can find ways to adjust that. But anyway, so this is this is the first change that they have listed as removal of face. And I mean, I guess before we get too far, I would say that I feel like in order for Mark four to be successful, they needed to have two things be kind of their primary objectives in my opinion. Um, and I guess I'm curious if, if you guys agree with this or not, but I feel like they needed to number one objective. They need to simplify the rules and number two objective, streamline the play so that you can have a, a faster game experience. Okay. And they have kind of stated that those were their, their goal. Yeah. So, so let's, let, I think we should view each of these within that light. Yes. Do, do you guys like this change and do you feel like it fits within their scope? Yes. I don't. Yeah. I like it for simplifying the rules. Do you, if you, if you, do you like it outside of that scope? Josh, because you kind of you kind of hemmed and hawed there a little. Well, bit. that's because I look. I'm the guy who chose minions, who clearly is not playing the game to like you know be a power player. Right, like, you're you're playing I'm all you about want it to be theme, fun. and I'm mashing my Autobots Stories together, and... right? And and facing tells a story, so that would be my like. That's like a super nitpick, right? But can, can I can I counter you for just a second? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you can easily. Well, no, I just I'm I'm talking to you. I don't want to counter to the listener. I'm, I want to talk to you, Josh. So, in a combat, your head is not stuck between your shoulders. You can turn it. Your line of sight does go 
essentially 360 degrees. You move your hips, you move your feet. Mm-hmm. This is this is one of those things that I've never really liked about the game. I don't like having to paint my arcs. I don't feel like, you know, I do realize that there is some situations in combat where coming up behind someone gives you an advantage, but I didn't never feel like it was worthwhile spending the time and effort. And one of the things I hated about early War Machine, back before people really started painting their arcs, was the arguments about, you know, which where are your shoulders sitting? Where is your arc? You know, spending a lot of time. So that's sort of separate. But I'm just saying, I think that, that from both a fluff and a rules play perspective, this is something that we could have done a long time it's ago. It's an improvement. Been, yeah, it's an improvement all around. Okay, okay. So I've I've been playing a fair bit of Marvel Crisis Protocol. It does not have facing, and at no point in my gameplay experience have I thought like, man, you know what I really miss are <laughs> 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 front arcs on. You know, this game would be so much better if Spider-Man had a front arc. <laughs> I do like front arcs a little bit better when you get to the more robot or larger. Mm. Um, but I, I mean, it's something I'm willing to sacrifice for the sake of speed. So anyway, uh, we go on to the next one. The next one is removal of free strikes. Um, so instead of re- um, keeping free strikes, they've added a rule which basically states um, that if you leave an enemy's arc or leave an enemy's strike area, you lose your combat action. Um, so you know this is allows you to sort of move through in position locations. Um, but there is a sacrifice if you do. So I, I the the reason they stayed is because it stops having to worry about shifting control of the round over to an alternative player and then back, having it go from it's my turn, now it's your turn, now it's back to my turn, all within my own turn. And I, I personally, I agree with this. I think that it does follow their stated scope. Uh, I think that it does a good job. I hated tournament war machine having to every time someone takes a free strike ship the clock over to them have them ship it back especially if there was a ridiculous number of these types of elements in the game you guys thoughts um i'm i mean i'll i will agree um and i i think that the solution of um if you're engaged and you move out then that you don't get your attack action ends up balancing it a fair bit so that seems fine I don't feel like I have a dog in the fight on this one. So, okay. yeah, I'm I'm okay with it. Yeah. Okay. Um I mean the other thing it mentions is it prevents fiddly measurements when you try to when you're walking around someone's threat range, you know, having to measure an inch here, an inch there, an inch there to try to just be able to walk around and avoid a free strike. Um when really your only goal is to get crossed and I agree with that. I mean, this should help clean some of that up. Yeah. Um so the third one they they state is the simplification of unit rules. So this I think goes beyond just movement, but the the um, the example that they're giving mostly is unit move, which the, you you pick one model in the move in the unit, you move that model the distance that it can move, and then all other models must be placed within two inches of the first model that you move. They also talk about I think it's here they talk about sizes of units have been reduced. Um, yeah, yeah so, so reduce the size, streamline internal reaction. So then there's no um, unit leader anymore. Um, it's just a, it's just a unit. They all they move together. One model moves. Everything has to be placed within two inches of the first model. So with the sizing, um, previously units were basically a ten man unit or a five man unit, and with the the new rules, 
the the highest um, unit sizes are going to be five man units and three man units. Um, I guess one of my bigger concerns about this in general is I with the the movement stuff I re- I don't really have a an issue with it necessarily. I need to you know play it and um, it, it seems like it will probably uh, make things a little bit easier, faster, etc. Uh, one concern with it is it might have some kind of weird interactions. Um, but I, I guess a little bit of my bigger concern is that I, I really don't want War Machine Mark IV to be infantry machine. Mm. And these, these movement rules seem pretty strong. And so a, there's, there's the concern you're, you're, you know, making the movement of, um, unit strong and the other concern is that they're doing away with warjack points on casters and so you are going to see people who take a list that is just infantry just infantry yeah i'm not not excited about that and they they did say um you know later on um it does say that they are that they've tried to make you know, more more powerful Warjacks and Warbeasts. And so maybe the balancing factor is that you're just going to be incentivized to take Warjacks and Warbeasts anyways, but mm. um, I, I guess I have concerns. Yeah, the, the way that the way that um, that's got to happen is these units have got to be more expensive. You've got you got to you got to make the units expensive, you know, to the point where you just Correct. can't you can't spam tons and tons. Where of you would so- where. If if you want to play an all unit list, you can. You're just going to get your ass kicked. Um, yeah. So I, I have some issues with this one as well. So I'm I'm worried too about what Jay already mentioned, sort of wonk, potentially wonky interactions on the table. I don't. I while it does fit in within their stated goal, I think they could have reduced the size of units, kept the way movement was. It would have been cleaner. And it still would have been faster. So I, I'm if you're going to reduce the the units, but units are going to maintain maybe a similar level of effectiveness. Why wouldn't I just end up taking multiple units? You know, so now I've got to track instead of you know five different units on the table. Now I've got to track ten different units and and number them or whatever to to make sure is that guy part of that unit or is that guy part of that unit? Mm, the, yeah. These are these are all things I do not like. Um, so I'm hoping that, that that unit play is going to be limited with uh, with field allowances more than it has been in the past. I'm hoping that unit play is going to be um, limited by cost. Um, that you're going to ha- the units you take you'll take for a tactical reason, not because of a cost. Re- which many times in the past units were not taken because of a tactical reason. They were just taken because, hey, I can fill the you know this many dudes that that fill up the table and 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 allow me to deliver my tools because they're cheap so we'll see i'm this one's one that i'm not particularly keen on uh but you know before i see it on the table who knows maybe it'll work out um yeah i mean it's not one that i expect to change i think it's going to stay this way and i hope that it does work out well (laughs) i mean i don't know what else to say i guess what are what are your thoughts josh well, my thoughts are definitely like I don't I don't want a world of infantry machine. I, that's never what got me into the game to begin with. It always bugged me, <laughs> and I should have just gotten over it. Because don't you feel like was 
Was Mark II pretty infantry machiney? Oh yeah. I have yeah. yeah. So yeah. you know, it, it does, like, it I, I got into the game for the big stompy monsters and robots, you know, and that's what always bugged me about infantry machine. It it does seem kind of strange to me to eliminate Warjack and Warbeast points. Yeah, I mean, this feels like this feels like going back in time a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, right. I mean, especially, I mean, this feels almost like going back in time to in some way. Okay, so um, the next one, AOEs and spray attacks have been have been simplified. Um, instead of AOEs using hooray, the template, hooray. Um, <laughs> Sorry, AOEs, AOEs have a value, uh, a number. That number represents two things. The first thing it represents is the number of models that can be hit. And the second one is the distance from the initial model that was hit um, that those models can be away from and be eligible to be hit. Um, the to hit additional models you have to hit the original target if you miss the original target only the original target takes blast damage um, and the blast damage is automatic you don't check to see whether the template moved anywhere because there's no template sprays uh, instead of having a template you just draw a line uh, models within that a line of a particular length and then models underneath that line are um uh i don't i don't remember if they have to be rolled to be attacked or if they're automatically hit Assuming there's an attack roll, I didn't. Oh, see. You, you, did you say for the spray? Yeah, for the spray. Yeah, there is. is. A, there's an attack roll. So the only thing that's changed is they've removed the template and said you have a a, a line. Yes. Um. So I love both of these. They streamline. You still get the the theme or the fluff of um being able to um uh, take out multiple things with a blast or a spray. I also absolutely love the idea of your initial target still taking blast. Um, it's instead of worrying about okay direction or distance, and I've got to roll less than this. You can plan on it. You know, you're like, okay, well, let me do the math. I'm going to shoot that guy. If I hit him, I'll get a full pow, you know, shot or whatever or blast damage. You know, you just you know what's going to happen with the target. And to me, that is a straight up improvement. It improves speed. It improves gameplay. There's I I can't think of anything bad about this particular one. Yeah, I I would agree. I I, I feel like this one is is basically a pure win. Uh, in case you couldn't tell from my already cheering, yeah. <laughs> I'm the target. <laughs> I'm the target audience for this change. Yeah, it just it makes it easier. All right, next one. Um, the next one is Warjack and Warbeast customization. So this allows you to. It's basically war gear from 40k but brought into war jacks tailoring fixing changing your war jacks um and yeah i mean i don't know this is i mean honestly war machine in a way had this before um you just had different chassis instead of you know what they have now so i don't know how much of a difference this brings other than making your bag lighter on the way to a tournament <laughs> well i mean so one of the things that's interesting with it is, I, 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 have you looked any at the the cards, uh, either of you? Nope. No. Okay, so basically, your warjack it starts at zero points, and then let's say that you, uh, the first thing you pick put a is, saw blade arm on. The first thing you pick is a head, and that will give. There's four different head options. They each have different abilities. Each have different point costs. Uh, one might be, you know, you can charge for free. One might be plus two sp speed when running, you know, et cetera, right? Um, and then there will be, you, you pick your two arms and, and they will each have different um, values 
associated with them. Um, so one might be a hammer that you know does power strength 18 and it'll cost five points. And the other one could be um, a gun that is range 10, POW 12, that costs seven points. And then you add those three numbers together, and that's how much your jack costs. And so the I guess the war jack being basically the sum of the three customizations you do is feels um, at least somewhat different to me. Yeah, I mean, it, it is... Sounds interesting. Um, my concern has been that Privateer Press hasn't always been the best at balancing between options points-wise. The way that they play it internally does not always equal the way yes, that it gets sure. played in the tournament environment. And my concern is that they may overvalue or undervalue particular combinations. And in play, one combination will become king. It won't be about right. choosing for yeah, a and that's that's the way psychic. that's the way that you know in general miniatures games go. You try to hunt down which option got the incorrect point cost and that is a little bit too good for its point cost, and that's the one that you most commonly go with. Yeah, I hope that that's not the case. I hope that the point values are appropriately costed and they are appropriately interesting in that I'm going to actually make a choice. During list creation, I'm going to be picking something based on the other weaknesses of my force, trying to, you know, gird those up so that I don't have the same problems. That's what I hope for, because that's what I really love about War Machine list building, about Mark II list building, and what I disliked about theme list from Mark III. You know, I want to be... Tell me with the Warjacks, Jay, what's going to happen with the um, the damage grid? Uh, they'll it will have a, for they so it'll be like you know Warjack A, Warjack B, Warjack C, and it has a so like the Kador one that they did an example of. Um, it has um, an, a normal Kador Warjack grid where it's you know there's 36 boxes and it has two that are not available on at the end of row one and row six. So, hmm, okay. Um, yeah. So, uh, go go ahead. I guess with the next stuff, I can I can look up real quick uh, some of the um, cards as an example. Okay. Uh, so the next one is racked spells. Um, so in Mark Four, War Machine uh, and Hordes casters have um, spells that are both assigned to them, meaning they're spells that they have every game and then they have an option list of i don't know how many a few spells that they may choose and i believe these are chosen at the beginning of games like yes after you see what you're facing you can choose one of your rack spells to put in um, allowing you to adjust for good and bad matchups and allowing them to balance keeping you know combinations of certain spells off of the same character sheet uh, while giving them access to both spells. So you wouldn't be able to take both at the same time sort of thing. And part of what I think is is a cool part of this is that when they were doing game design stuff previously, they always had to have in the back of their mind, okay, we're, we're making a Signar model. We have to keep in mind that this model could potentially have Arcane Shield on it. It could have Snipe on it. And... Every model had to be designed with an arcade and shield tax or a snipe tax, regardless of whether or not a warcaster was going to have that spell 
on its list. And now each of the each of the warcasters can decide. Well, actually, I I do want to have arcane uh, shield in this in this battle, or maybe I want snipe in this one, or etc. So I I do think it's a a pretty cool um, way to uh, to go about things. Okay, uh, Josh, your opinions on it? I'm scared of it. <laughs> <laughs> It feels too much to me like, um, and I just probably need to, I just need to spend a little time with it, but, but it feels to me like that game mode that a lot of people loved the, you know, build your own caster, Frankencaster, I don't know. And that, that always paralyzed me with the number of choices that seemed like it made available. So that's my only concern. Um, I can see that, uh, the, there could be some issues with balance, you know, things crop up, um, the way the nature of, of War Machine is that there are combinations out there that sometimes are unforeseen. So is that going to happen here? It's likely, but I have faith that, you know, we can, that things can be changed on a quicker pace than they have been in previous editions and it can be fixed. So I, I think that this is great. I think it's a great idea. I think that this helps um, during, during planning, during pregame strategy wise. It's just, it's a great addition for tournament players and for fun players as well. And potentially help with certain matchups, et cetera. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. So the next one. Um, oh, sorry. And I, I will say that um, we should talk about just briefly about Warbeast and Warjack customization and rack spells as a part of the scope of does it streamline? Does it make it you know easier to play? And while it doesn't, I think that both of these things happen before the gameplay and it does create depth. So I like both of these because of that. I will say that I think that one of the, and I guess we'll see, but one of the um, complaints that a lot of people had about Mark III at various points of Mark III was that it felt like list building was not very interesting. And especially the... Because of the, the like... Because of theme lists. Yeah. The, yeah. I, I couldn't think of the word for some dumb reason. Yeah. yeah. But I, I think that being able to customize your Warjacks is something that will help with with people feeling like uh list building is more interesting yeah i mean i want options is what i want i want options to be able to handle my opponents i want options i want to feel like the options i make have meaning uh tactically you know i i, I want to feel like again when i mentioned it with the war beast and warjack discussion i don't want to feel like there's one there's one way to build it i want to feel like multiple options are valid and i have to make an actual decision Okay, so anyway, then the next one is combat cards. Um, they are adding combat cards as a new mechanic in Mark IV. As part of uh, army creation, you're going to basically create a, a hand of five command cards, and then you can use them during the game. Uh, the maximum you can use, they're one use only, so once you play the card, it's gone, and you may use uh, up to two uh, per turn. Um you can only play one one card on a model or unit. You cannot play multiple cards on a single model. I mean, this is basically tactics cards from Marvel Crisis Protocol. Yeah, from Crisis Protocol. So do we know how these are going to be distributed? Is there going to be one unified pack that everyone can buy and choose from? Are they coming with models? Um. Well, I mean... What do you hope? Are it's they, all, what it's do all, I hope? Everything, I hope yeah, everything's I hope, digital. Okay, but yeah, but you're saying like 
Does it come? Does every army have their there own are set, going to be, or is there a? So there are going to be some generic ones that everyone has access to, and then there are also going to be some faction-specific ones. Also, some of them will have a point cost associated with them, and some of them will be free. Yeah. Uh, there's very little of what you said there that I like. <laughs> I'll be honest. <laughs> so I guess let me let me give you some examples of stuff that that might be um things that you would have liked as a a tournament player i think um previously so a couple of the command cards that they have previewed one is like you know give a model or unit magic weapons for the rest of the round another one was give a model or unit grievous wounds for the rest of the round and so it feels like another change to me that can potentially, hopefully, uh, turn some of the, the bad matchups that you potentially have into ones that are not necessarily as bad. I still would prefer that there was a general deck <clears throat> that everyone had access to and none of them cost points, that they were balanced around. I mean, the ones you just described to me don't feel like they should cost points. So, so if there are some out there that do cost points, I'm concerned about them. I, I would rather just have one deck that everybody has access to and then have all sort of generic effects, just like what you just mentioned, and everybody has the same pool to pick from. Yeah. And I, I just, I, I don't want to feel like, oh, I really, I, I don't want to have faction enemy when it comes to command cards. I don't want to be like, oh, well, he has that card that gives his unit a stealth for a turn. You know, I, I don't, I would rather, if that's what the effect is going to be, that everyone has access. So, again, it's hard to say without seeing the cards. Um, these feel like what we did for objective, like objectives that had special powers, the same sort of thing. They were like, this is how we're going to shore up weaknesses for certain factions. That's fine, but I'm just... I want to see the implementation of it first, because it does cause me pause. Um, I will say that, again, as someone, I guess, who's been playing a fair bit of Marvel Crisis Protocol, um, <laughs> I, I I do like the tactics cards. So. Okay, and I really dislike them from Marvel Crisis Protocol, because they come in, because of the thing, other things I mentioned, because they come in boxes, because not everyone sure. has access to each of them, because... which Which isn't going to be... Not all a, of them are well-balanced. <laughs> some of them are, some of them aren't. I, I just there's certain cards that you know no one would take, and certain cards that you know get taken frequently. Um, yeah, I mean that's there. There does in general end up being more popular cards. That's kind of the nature of the beast. Yeah, I I won't be shocked if that happens here too. Yeah, I just I guess I I want to limit it to the point where there are more options than what is generally than the group think believes are the only options. Mm. Josh, your feelings on command cards? Um, I'm, I mean, I'm fixated on the comparison to Crisis Protocol, which I liked them just fine in Marvel Crisis Protocol. I do think there's some pretty legitimate concern about them sort of making every army feel generic in a way. Well, in in theory, you're gonna have to make some hard choices. You know, do I take that one with Grievous Wounds or do I take the one with Magic Weapon? You're not gonna be able to put everything in. So while you will be, it's gonna give everybody the tools it's also going to make everyone have to choose between their in theory okay so the one that i'm ready to rail against oh i'm excited i i do not understand why this exists but <laughs> let's explain it first 
Oh, I, I, okay. Uh, assassination and execution <laughs> mode. <clears throat> okay. Along, along with all the other changes, they're introducing a uh, an execution mode. So assassination mode is what we think of as being standard war machine. In execution mode, your warcaster or warlock cannot be destroyed except for by another warcaster or warlock. Um, if they suffer damage that would destroy them, instead they become vulnerable. They lose some effects, um, but then they you know on their next turn they can basically the, i think their upkeeps expire and they you know they have some bad things happen to them but they are not destroyed and this seems like this is going to favor some warcasters way more than others yes that's one one of the many complaints i have about it <laughs> i'm i'm i like i'm trying to be okay with it but so here so- here's before we even get into it let me just start by saying with the vast majority of especially tournament players but I think even I think your average, you know, league player that shows up to the local gaming store, no one's going to play anything but assassination mode. So I guess here's my take on it is that I, I do think that assassination mode is going to be the default. I think that the main purpose of execution mode is going to be with newer players that are getting into the game where you have the the time where you know you put your caster two inches in the wrong spot and the game's over within 15 minutes. I think it's mostly, I I think it's mostly meant to provide play options and kind of, uh, (laughs) for the baby seals essentially. Yeah, kind of, well, and also kind of, uh, a way to provide a, it just seems like more play options to me. Okay. Well, I was going to say, because to me, the, my my one big concern is that, you know, we've been having several conversations about these changes that that they are ways to simplify the rules, right? And this one does not to me, because if you have Correct. a mode where all of a sudden you're like, well, if your big baddie gets hit, what happens is actually, you know, and then pull, pull out the algebra, like, then that, that to me is not simplifying. So, yeah, uh, this is, this is... I feel like trying to solve a problem that I'm not sure exists. It's the HIPAA yeah. of War Machine Mark IV. I, under- <laughs> <laughs> I understand that there are people who have rough times with their first games, but the truth is is if if you're going to have a rough time with your first game because your opponent's kind of a dick, the execution mode isn't going to change that. You know, if 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 you're if you're a new player and you make a big error about putting your warcaster in the wrong place, most casters are not going to have a problem putting one damage point on an enemy caster. Like I'll I'll still kill you with Mullet Karn and then finish up with you know oh sure right right yeah right like this this just this is complexity for no good reason for no benefit yeah yeah and I'm not I'm not expecting that I mean I'm not expecting that I will ever request that a game is played in execution mode if there are if my opponent uh would like to try it out or or would prefer that game mode then that's fine i would be more than happy to play it um but it i i don't i i my prediction is that the vast majority of the game is going to be assassination mode and so it is kind of a solution solution to something that's not much of a problem yeah, this reminds me of some of the game modes that were in the back of like the Mark One and Mark Two rule books that no sure. one ever played and forgot that they were even there. <laughs> Guilty. Yeah, I mean like the you know two caster style games and stuff that just 
I, I mean, I can see this is probably going to come in more when you have the the wonky let's get together and play, you know, the 15 point, the equivalent of a mangled metal game on a Saturday with the local group. You know, people will come up with funky game modes that, that sort of revolve around this. But yeah, this is, yeah, it is what it is, I guess. It's funny that they go through and they spend one tiny little paragraph explaining that there are two modes and then three paragraphs explaining execution mode. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so the next one, removal of theme forces. We've removed theme forces from the game in Mark IV. Um, it's going to focus more on armies as a uh, as a more complex building block rather than sub-themes within a larger faction. Um, I mean, it says that they're getting rid of theme forces, but let's be honest. The army just is a theme force. The army, I mean, in in a way, the army is an even more restrictive. I mean, I guess maybe not even more, but you you can't. Another year, so you have your army. If if you're playing the, uh, you know, Storm Legion army, you cannot take models from the Grave Diggers army. So I mean, it it feels pretty similar. So here's the difference, though. In in Mark Three, theme forces were king because they had huge point benefits for yes. taking them. That's all gone. The balance yeah. is the balance is back to we have one yes. level of balance: model yes. versus model, points versus points, rather than you know requisition points and how many. What can I do here and what additional well, benefits or I get also, for doing it? Yes, and besides the requisition points, there was also the you know there were certain theme force benefits that became huge balancing factors as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, full full points on this one for simplifying. <laughs> yeah, I think that's I the- I was pretty vocal about hating theme forces. I hated them all the way to the end. I'll be honest. I feel like they were at least partially why I stopped kind of playing the game. I mean, COVID was a bigger reason, but I just got tired of theme envy. I just felt like certain theme forces were better than others. I really longed for the day where I could sit down, build a list from pieces and parts that I liked, and feeling like it still had a chance. And that was just long gone. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping maybe some of that will come back. But Jay's right. This is just theme forces refined in many ways. So I don't know if it's going to come back. But I do like that it at least simplifies balance from a game designer perspective. I do. I I think the army system is good for a retailer. I think it's going to be good for gamers. Um, I I think it's just going to be a better system. And this is probably where we should should pause in part two of our three part series really? <laughs> of our review of War Machine. What are we reacting to next? I mean, we st- we're only we're, halfway through the rules change. We're not even halfway. Yeah. Yeah, we're we're not even halfway. Jay the Milkman Larson. <laughs> I'm not the person who is responsible here. This is a three-man effort. <laughs> I wasn't the only one talking. Uh, so, some some, some of the ones that, we're going to cover next week are going to be quicker, but be faster, I, ha- yeah. I have some rants about some of them. Yes. Um, one, one in particular. I have Give the people what rant. they want, and they want rants. <laughs> Real quick, we can we can let's wrap up this episode. And what are your reactions of what we've covered so far? Uh, so so far, I'm fairly impressed. I like the ideas. I like where they're going. You know, it still remains to be seen a little bit of how execution is going to happen as far as you know 
is this going to work on the tabletop? But at least they're, they are have a focused vision of where they want to go. And the things we've discussed thus far have pushed it in that direction. Uh, okay, so here's my reaction. I am with Trevor in that I'm excited. Uh, honestly, again, like I wish that I was living my life in a way that would accommodate War Machine again. Um, but don't at me. I'm sure I'm not. And But I'm sort of curious about like our model size is all the same still like are the bases still the same like could i guilt free you know purchase an army and then never paint it and just proxy all my already painted models <laughs> <laughs> they have added an 80 millimeter um base size to the uh interesting mix okay. up yeah no so so josh i'm going to counter with the fact that your boy is 10 now he uh, uh he'll be ten this this uh, December yeah okay so he's almost ten and then this is this is going to take some time to roll out and by the time that this is actually going in full swing he's going to be twelve I I think you might have some war machine in your future that's all I'm saying <laughs> all right fair enough I like the optimism seems out of character but I like it <laughs> um I guess my my final thoughts for the episode are that as a whole, I am very pleased with the changes. Um, the units are my biggest source of concern so far. Um, but I think that that can be taken care of if they do the point costing correctly. And so hopefully that ends up being the case. Well, I guess we can wrap things up there. Let us know what you guys think of uh, the changes we've gone over and stay tuned for our continued review of war machine in the next episode.